in three, two, one, and blast off. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages. Welcome to Living on a Thin Line with uh, Tony Visick. I am Tony Visick. We come to you six days a week at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, we are your daily distraction from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. Uh, we come to you on three platforms, Comedy Schools, Radio Network.com, YouTube Comedy Schools, and right here on Facebook Live. The show is built around three components. They are your questions and comments as you pop up here on social media. So go ahead and question and comment, and we'll question and comment right back at you. Uh, we also um, uh, usually have some uh, knick-knack or doodad or falderall or uh, a little uh, curio or curiosity that's laying around here in the home office that we uh, share with you and then weave a personal story around. And we recommend one artist or one piece of music based on, <clears throat> excuse me, our vast vinyl album and compact disc collection. Today we'll be working from the vinyl album collection. But I got to be honest with you, <clears throat> when we started doing this way back in uh, March of this year, um, it didn't occur to me that I would be going... Uh, still be going here at the end of the year. Uh, it never occurred to me as I looked at the uh, big pile of records that I've held on to over the years that I would work through uh, practically all of them. Uh, but we have. We have. So now we're going to go into the CD collection. So we're not going to be daunted. We're not going to be phased. We're not going to... People often say... Uh, people are say I'm unfazed, but people very seldom say they're phased. I go, man, am I phased. They go, I am unfazed. But then we go, but look at him. He looks phased. So uh, we will not be phased. And you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Uh, we will not be phased by uh, uh, the doings and goings on out in the world. We will uh, tread forward. We will trudge the road of happy destiny. It is Sunday. It is now two days after Christmas. It is December 27th. Uh, the New Year's is coming up upon us. Uh, it has been uh, one of the strangest years in the history of years. I don't know if anybody's ever done it, like a history of years. That'd be a good book. The history of years. Because you can put anything you want in it. Anything you want. I guess it'd be the history of... I don't even know what that book would be. You know what? Forget I even brought up that book. That's a bad idea. I hope I even sent anybody down a garden path where going, here's the idea. I heard it on a podcast. I'm going to make a book about ideas, about years. That's going to be my, my book. That's, going to my, that's when we're going to get us out of this trailer park. Uh, no, I'm telling you, forget it. We'll come up with a better idea. But in the history of our lifetime, you could go ahead and write that book, write the history of your lifetime. That would be called a biography. Um... There has never been anything like it. It just gets stranger and stranger as the days go on. Uh, vaccines rolling out, but a uh, number of sicknesses rising. Um, plans in place to deal with the issue, but at the same time, uh, plans falling apart. Uh, the guy who told us that he would never golf, he'd so busy winning for the American people, spends his final days in the White House playing golf. I don't think he's a good golfer. You know, that's not a real put down because most people are bad at golf. Most people are bad at sports. I was particularly bad at sports as a youngster. I loved them, but I just, I didn't have great hand-eye coordination. Um, 
I found other sports like individual sports, you know, track and karate. And then I used to, you know, uh, go to the gym all the time. Uh, uh, somehow I got good at those or was, you know, pretty good at those. But I wasn't an athlete, you know. Most things that you're not most. Here's the thing with golf. OK, so when you're a kid, you get to play football and baseball and basketball although basketball it was one of the more recent sports one of the most recent sports on the planet i don't know if you know that it wasn't invented until uh, uh the very late 1800s and 1890s i believe uh by uh, i get the guy's name was naismith i think maybe someone knows uh a college professor that needed uh, wanted an indoor recreational activity for his students when there was ice and snow outside when they couldn't play baseball or football so Golf, so at a certain point in life, you'll stop playing basketball because it just wears you out too much and you're not any good at it. certain point in life, you'll stop playing baseball because it wears you out. You get injured. You're not any good at it. Same thing with football. Now, yeah, you know, by the way, there'll be uh, like a beer league, softball leagues. Uh, <laughs> Mike Lawson said played nine holes once. Golf sucks. There'll be like beer softball leagues. There's not a lot of beer football leagues. A lot, of, a lot of guys in their 40s that are like, you know, 50, 60 pounds overweight playing, uh, uh, going out, you know, into the park playing tackle football. Eventually, you will stop playing those games. But somehow golf is the one that men will hold on to and women, but primarily men uh, at this point in history, uh, well into late in life. And some people go, that's good. It gives you an athletic activity to uh, be involved with. I had a guy one time tell me, he goes, it's a game you can play as you get older. And all that's true. But it's one of the few things that we'll keep doing, even though we're just absolutely horrible at it. Most people who play golf are like absolutely horrible at it. They're just terrible. It is a social sport, but then, you know, what happens, you get out there with two guys and uh, you get on the course and then they team you up with a couple, a couple other guys and you don't know those guys. And by the time you get to the third, first time I ever played a full nine holes, not 18 holes, uh, a fist fight almost broke out on the third hole. Granted, it was a public course. Granted, it was Van Nuys, California. But uh, uh, a fight almost broke out. And I was in a high stress uh, career at the time. I was booking several comedy clubs, um, and uh, uh, a lot of other business stuff. And I was like, you know, working nonstop. Phone was always on. And uh, there was always a problem to deal with. So I was really stressed out. And my brother-in-law at the time recommended that we go out and play golf. And by the time we got to third hole, two guys, uh, an old uh, fat white guy and a, a young black guy, because a fat white guy called him a name, we're going to, uh, no, the fat, the fat white guy was swinging his golf club at the black kid. And the black kid was blocking, going, come on, old man. And uh, Neil and I were able to walk up and get him to stop. <laughs> so I don't even know if it helps reduce stress. My point is, most people aren't good at golf. Donald Trump is not good at golf. The story is that he cheats. You ever played golf with somebody you wanted something from so you make sure you don't beat them because they are an egomaniac? There's two kind of guys you go out and play business golf. Kind of guys who you go, all right, I'm going to play my best. 
And if I beat him, he'll respect that. And the kind of you go, I'm going to play my best. If I beat him, there'll be no deal. Donald strikes me this type of you. Play your best. You beat him. You get no deal. So he's out doing something he's not any good at as the country gets worse. As the number of infections rise, as the number of people who've passed on to the reward rise, as the economic situation begins to uh, 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 become more and more severe, he's out playing golf. None of that surprises me. I always knew who the guy was. A lot of people always knew who the guy was. I think a lot of people knew who he, who he was, but thought that maybe in him there would be somebody like, a, and not to compare them as human beings, uh, but a Harry Truman who grew in the job, who was an accidental president, damn near, grew in the job. That Donald Trump would grow in the job. He has not. So uh, anyway, I didn't want to get on that. Hey, uh, Tina Michael Larson says, uh, I'll drink beer and drive in the cart. I think we said that. Hello, Kathy Kalick. Uh, Marcy Martinez Oliveira. Uh, Oliveira. Excuse me. Tina Mike Kelly Wilson. Uh, we got people gathering in here. Uh, we are going to be back on a regular schedule all through this week. We will not be on New Year's Day, and we will not be on uh, next Saturday. So keep that in mind. But all through this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Also, Thursday night, ladies and gentlemen, Thursday night, dun, 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 dun. New Year's Eve, dun, 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 dun. Um, people ask me, uh, should you be doing comedy during a pandemic? And uh, you know what? I, I understand the legitimacy of the question. And you know what? Sometimes if you're doing comedy, you don't feel like it. Sometimes if you're doing comedy, you don't feel like it. But um, if you look back in the history of America, you look back and uh, you see during World War II, uh, so many comedies put out Bob Hope and Abbott Costello and kind of gives people back from their problems. When I owned a club in Oklahoma City during the Murrah building bombings, uh, we became um, a distraction and gave comfort. We didn't know we were doing that. We weren't sophisticated enough in our thinking to understand that we had by, quite by accident become uh, a positive good, but we, we figured it out quickly. Um, but we didn't realize it at first. So should we be doing comedy during this particular situation? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You know, people need a break. Now, if you don't need a break, you don't need a break. Don't show up, don't go, don't watch, don't listen. I'll respect that. Okay, but if you do, and you're looking for something fun, I got something for you New Year's Eve. I do. I got something to be kind of cool. And I promise you, it won't be preachy. It'll be goofy. It'll be silly. It'll be fun. It'll be funny. And you might want to check it out. And you've got two ways to do it. This coming Thursday, December 31st, starting at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, New Year's Eve show at JP's Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com, 860 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona. There's a live in-person show featuring none other than Jim Perry and Tony Visick. The people who brought you J.P.'s Comedy Club will be headlining at J.P.'s Comedy Club. We will be there for you New Year's Eve. And even beyond that, if you would like to see the show, but uh, you're out of state, you're out of the county, uh, county you're out of the country, you're, uh, you're in Kathmandu, you can catch, out, you can catch the show on Zoom live. Just go to my page here, Tony Visick, V-I-C-I-C-H, scroll along and you'll see the advertisements 
that let you know that you're going to be able to catch this show December 31st live on Zoom. Got it there for you. So uh, we're going to bring you a North American countdown. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's not for the little kiddies. If you got little kids, 8, 9, 10, 11, younger, like a six-month-old kid can watch it. They don't, they don't really understand anything yet. A year-old kid. By the time they get two or three, nothing. Not until they're like uh, 25. Only people 25 and over get my... You know what I'm talking about. You know. Okay, so we got that going for you, uh, New Year's Eve, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Monday, I'm going to venture out safe social distancing, uh, mask required, plenty of hand sanitizer, uh, to JP's Comedy Club, where I'll be doing class one of my stand-up comedy workshop. If you're in the greater uh, Gilbert area and you'd like to check out the first half free, come on by and we'll let you sit in, okay? All right, done with the advertisements. What have we got for you today? Hold on, I got to reach over and get something cool. So you know how we always got some knickknack or doodad, a lot of bobblehead action on this show. Show a lot of bobbleheads. A lot of bobbleheads. And no, and I'm not making a political joke when I say bobbleheads. Okay? We got bobbleheads. We've shown all kinds of autographs and stuff like that. Okay, but I got something for you here. Got it. Now, my little grandson got this for me for Christmas, and he found a place called the Soda Shop. He's nine years old, just turned nine. He was eight the other day, now he's nine. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, Biden solution. <laughs> I will never open this. This was, and it was his idea, a gift. It's for those of you listening on the radio, it, is, uh, it looks like a common, it's a common glass soda or beer bottle with the type of cap on that looks like you have to pop off with a bottle opener. Maybe it's a twist off. It's a 12-ounce glass bottle of Biden's solution. There he is, old Uncle Joe himself right there. How cool is that? Look at that, my YouTube friends. How cool is that? I feel bad for YouTubers. They see this kind of rigged. I've got, I've, uh, my uh, wife, by the way, as we produced the show, Shirley Lovizic, bought me a whole new tripod uh, for the show and I haven't bothered to put it up. So you got this kind of rigged contract, contraption holding the, uh, the main uh, transmission device, which is one of my cell phones, up. So it looks kind of silly, but we'll remember for history. Anyway, Biden's solution, and it's soda, and it's real. Uh, it has uh, 150 calories if you drink the whole bottle. Um, there's no grams of fat, uh, 15 milligrams of sodium, uh, 34 carbs. Total sugars, 44 grams, a lot of sugar in this Biden solution. Protein, zero grams. Uh, and it says here on the side, you see it right there. You get the warning label. Uh, side effects include confusion and mumbling. So it's perfect for me. <laughs> there you are, ladies and gentlemen. Biden solution bought for me by my occasional co-host, Far Christmas, my grandson, Sullivan Ramirez. Um, uh, I don't think he read the side effect, but he, he got it from me. He goes, you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? And I go, yeah, I get it. I get it. And I just think it's so cool that a nine-year-old had the presence of mind to uh, do something like that. I just think it's the neatest thing ever. So uh, that's what I got. What did you guys get for Christmas? Anybody want to tell me what you got? Did you get something nice? I got all kinds of cool stuff. Um, uh, man, I can't even go. All the things I got. I got uh, funny barbecue sauce. Um, I got slippers. Uh, I got a new pair of walking shoes for when I walk my dog. Um, 
God, I got a new tripod. I just got tons of stuff, man. I got a book. We'll be talking about the book later on this week. So I got a lot of, a lot of nice things. But the main thing I got is that so far, uh, God willing, a day at a time, uh, my family is all safe, healthy, and happy. And I wish that for all of you as well. And for those of you that are ill, uh, we wish you a speedy recovery. We truly do. So uh, anyway, that's what I got. I got Biden's solution. That was one of my favorite gifts, one of my favorite gifts of all time. On my birthday, huh? Oh, yeah, and he gave me, yeah, well, you know what? We're going to talk about the radio later on this week. Later on this week, we'll talk about the, uh, uh, the newest addition to the radio collection. And just to be clear, ladies and gentlemen, we collect radios, we rescue bobbleheads. We collect radios, we rescue bobbleheads. So uh, don't ever confuse us with bobblehead collectors. Those are people that I will not truck with. Not in this life, nor the next. So, uh, okay. All right. So, um, um, oh, yeah, I was going to tell you. On, uh, I used to always joke around because, you know, you get to be a certain age as a guy. And people go, what do you want for your birthday? You go, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know. Um, and I used to always joke around. I go, fish sticks. I'd like some fish sticks. And on my birthday, my grandson told his mom, we have to go to the grocery store, and he bought me frozen fish sticks for my birthday. So, uh, <laughs> some of you are probably wondering where um, Ray is. Generally, uh, Ray the Wonder Kid is jumping around on me. Um, uh, Ray's asleep. We fed him catnip, and so we're getting a little break in our day right now from him uh, trying to wreck the house or torturing the dogs. So I thought I'd let you know that. All right, let's get to the music, shall we? I've done the advertisements. I've showed you, here, I'll show it to you again because it's so funny. There you go, Biden solution. There you go. There you go. Drink this, Trump supporters. There's the solution, Joe Biden. Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe. All right. Let's get to the music. This guy we're going to talk about here. When I, uh, I like to talk about roots music on this show a lot. Uh, early blues, early country music, early rock and roll, etc. This guy was completely different. This guy... Um, this guy had um, two or three careers, but all based on the same, same thing. Just two or three careers based on being discovered and rediscovered and rediscovered again. And the type of music was not necessarily country, and it wasn't necessarily bluegrass, and it wasn't necessarily the blues, and it wasn't boogie-woogie, and it wasn't jazz. It is its own type of music. And it is Cajun music. And one of the forerunners of bringing it to us was Doug Kershaw. Doug Kershaw and the Cajun way. Doug Kershaw and the uh, Cajun way. Now, my personal favorite Doug Kershaw song, the one we're going to uh, spotlight today, is uh, Diggy Diggy Low. So Diggy Diggy Low is just one of the most, it's, it's just one of the most fun songs you have ever heard. And you can tell that it comes from a place that you're not from, but a place that you feel like you'd be welcome to. Now, whether you would be or not. Cajun music, completely different, but still somehow the same connection to country and blues. Um, and even, you know, even if you want to get to, uh, you know, long hair music, because it was played uh, primarily on a violin. Somebody asked me a time ago, what's the difference between a violin and a fiddle? A violin is played in orchestra and a, a fiddle is played in a band. That's the difference. 
a violin is used to play uh, Beethoven, and a fiddle is used to play Hank Williams. That is the big difference. Those are the big difference between a violin and a fiddle. No one was better at making the fiddle a hot instrument than Doug Kershaw. Now, Doug started out early in life with his uh, brother Rusty, Doug and Rusty. They had their own band. And on country charts, they had two big hits. And the first one was Louisiana Man. Too much love for Louisiana Man. Well, a song that I used to listen to when I was tripping balls at the Jewels Bar back in High Ridge, Missouri in the early 70s when I was far too young to be there. And the second hit was Diggy Diggy Low. So two stunning hits by a really original artist who then had a career. Those two singles sold millions of records. Okay, uh, I forget exactly why the brothers broke up, but they broke up. And then as a solo artist, Bill Graham booked him into the Fillmore in 1969 to open for Eric Clapton. Now, that makes sense. Clapton just loves anybody who's uh, doing a great job with strings. You know, Cl Clapton loves the guitar and all guitar players, all people that pluck strings for a living. That is, the, that is uh, uh, Clapton's. He's not just great at it. It's his expertise. It's his passion. Um, and uh, he loved Doug Kershaw. Doug Kershaw then went on just about then in the late 60s as the country rock movement was beginning to take hold to have a whole new level of success with the boomer rock generation. And that's, of course, when I discovered him. But to be honest with you, I first discovered him because I was hanging out in a bar when I was way underage and it was on a jukebox. I'd get high and go, All right, let's listen to this song. And I kind of dug that song, Louisiana Man, quite a bit. But the song I want you to listen to, because it's going to be fun, is going to be Diggy Diggy Low. All right? So this is not Zydeco yeah, Maybe it's Zydeco music. It's Cajun music. You know, uh, but if you listen to, uh, if you listen to, uh, uh, I don't know why they listen to this. You got Doggy Doggy Low? Did you put that in, Cheryl? Was that? Oh, it's Diggy Diggy Low. Oh. Okay. All right. So if you're seeing it right now, it says doggy doggy low. Then I go, all right, maybe it's a different tune. Diggy diggy low. So I, um, <laughs> I highly recommend, man, you take a couple minutes out of your day. The, the entire song is only two minutes and 20 seconds long. Take some time out of your day. Click that link and listen to that song and tell me that it's not just one of the most fun, infectious songs you ever heard. Like so many great pop songs. It's like, wow, are you sure someone didn't come up with this before? They hadn't. And wow, wow, why haven't I heard this before? Or wow, why did I stop listening to this? Or wow, how simple it is, yet how much it will stay with me forever. That's our musical selection for the day. The cantankerous, moody, going his own way, going the artist way, Doug Kershaw, his first solo album, The Cajun Way, the song Diggy Diggy Low, but then listen to Louisiana Man too, uh, being our recommendation for the day. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. We're going to wrap up right now. We want to thank you for listening. We want to thank you for watching. Thank you for joining in. We always enjoy doing this. We'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time with more stuff. This has been Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye.